You're listening to Creeping Wave Radio, a documentation of our decidedly creepy escapades here on The Unaffiliated, once the mics go off. Okay, let me get this straight. Shh, please, keep it down. We're trying to sneak on board. And that goes for you too. Are you kidding me? No one will be able to hear us over the sound of these engines. A nap? We're hanging over the open ocean off a dirigible, hanging off of this guy's spine. Yeah, you might not want to piss him off. (laughs) Too late for that. For future reference, when you want to stay on someone's good side, try not to shoot him. I told you that was an accident. Really? Then tell me, Nap. Can I call you Nap? (sighs) Sure, I guess. Fantastic. I'm Steve, by the way. Former sideshow performer turned grappling hook, thanks to you. I said I was sorry, okay, Steve? Uh-huh. So walk me through this. You went to the sideshow. You saw some monkey girl, you think? Maybe you had a one-night stand with? Sugar is a Sasquatch. And besides, it wasn't like that. Yeah, he didn't even get to first base. Wow, seriously? Nope, he was drunk off of pudding cups. How does that even happen? Oh, jeez, look! I wanted to save her from life at the freak show. She deserves better than that. Better being what exactly? Being gawked at as someone's hairy receptionist? Or maybe she could be the only waitress at Denny's who has to get a regular flea bath. I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be the only one. My point is, the real world has no place for freaks like her and me. But you never thought about that, did you? I guess not. No, you wanted to sweep sugar off her big feet. You wanted to be the hero. Your pathetic ego wouldn't allow anything less. Look, Steve, as much as I hate to interrupt somebody while they're tearing Nap a new one, you do realize that you and your freaks were loaded onto this dirigible by Hitler. Hitler! Well, his brain at least. Right. I mean, there is some historical precedent to suggest that this isn't just going to be some pleasure cruise. Hitler's brain is taking us to freedom. Away from the judging eyes of the unexceptional, like you, who only want to gawk and laugh at us. Is that what he told you? Yes. <laughs> and you believed him. Why? Maybe because, unlike Nap here, Hitler never shot me with a demon gun and turned me into a grappling hook just so he could use my spine to climb on board his airship. Okay, fair point, granted. Nap may have been in the wrong on that one. Yeah, nobody's contesting that. Nap can be a real idiot sometimes. Most of the time. Oh, come on. I'm literally right here. Nap, level with me. Did you seriously trade your soul to Old Scratch for that little persuader of yours? I did it to save Sugar. She means everything to me. Everything! Oh, that's... that's Katya. Who? Let me see if I can just, uh... uh, uh, Hello? Hey, Katya. Katya is Nap's other girlfriend. The one who means just slightly less than everything to him. She's also a vampire. (laughs) I love it. You guys have to take me on board with you. I want to see how this mess plays out.
sugar, my nipshin, you seem so sad. What is wrong, my dear? Oh, it's silly, really. I'm embarrassed to even say. Embarrassed? Well, rest assured, you'll never be made to feel that way again. The days of us freaks being humiliated to sell tickets are well behind us now. From this day forth, we will be free to live without examination by the so-called normal world. Oh, I know. It's just that... Together, we fish shall thrive like the pirates of yore, swooping down from the heavens in our dirigible, to loot and pillage unsuspecting ships. Dry your eyes, my Lipshin, for soon you'll be stealing back the dignity this world has robbed of you. in here with Hitler. What is he doing to her? Nap, honestly, he's a brain in a jar. There's not a whole lot that he could be doing to her himself. Be rude to eavesdrops, guys. I'm just saying. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for all that you've done for us, Herr Hitler. I am not Hitler, but go on. It's just that for a moment, why, I dare to imagine that I might have a normal life with my children, and someone who never saw me as a freak. Who is that, my dear? Oh, someone I once knew long ago. Someone who was blatantly obnoxious and creepy enough to where they might understand what it is to be reviled, unloved, and detested by everyone around them. I think she's talking about you, Nap. She's definitely talking about you, Nap. That dream's gone now. Oh no, I'm not. <gasps> Creepy pudding cup guy. Um, hi. My name's Napoleon? Seriously? Yeah. Why? What's wrong with that? Oh, well, nothing. It's just that, well, I mean, we never had a formal introduction, so... Oh, awkward. The jig is up! Hello! I am not healer! Release the Sasquatch, or I'll smash your jar! Enough of this madness! Put me down and let me speak! Would you be willing to do it live on the air? I mean, I still have my podcasting equipment on me. In an interview with Hitler, my that would be podcasting gold. True. Please, let me clear my name once and for all. And we're live! Adam here, bringing to you an exclusive interview with Adolf Hitler's brain. No. As I have told you before, I am not Hitler. Well, then who are you? Duncan Chen, you are the first person to actually ask. No, I am not Hitler, but rather Paul Ludwig Hans Anton von Beckendorf und von Hindenburg. You're Paul von Hindenburg? German military commander from World War One and former president of Germany? Yeah, that is me. Everyone is always so fixated on Hitler. They never met him. He was jumped up a little corporal, a sniveling, spineless coward who resorted to fisticuffs whenever he didn't get his way. Hmm, I take it that you are not a fan. Absolutely not. He is the reason I am stuck in this jar. Uh, do tell. Well, many years ago, before you and your young pups were born, I caught the eye of a young, beautiful woman. Ooh. Stop it, Adam. Being the distinguished age of 84 at the time, I must say I was a bit surprised, though quite flattered when she invited me to her hotel suite for our robbing these sheets. She claimed she was marveled at my gallantry. Well, after all, I was a war hero. Why shouldn't she be? Her name was Debbie, 
We chatted for a bit, dying on spatzel dumplings and jagerschnitzel. She poured me a glass of Gutwurztruminer, and we drank. I realized too late that I had been drugged. When I asked her why, she revealed that she was a time traveler from the future. She explained that she had been sent by her government to rectify the atrocities of Adolf Hitler. I told her, I am not Hitler. She didn't believe me at first, claiming that's exactly what Hitler would say, which is fair. But when I informed her of who I indeed was, she admit she hadn't really been 100% sure to begin with. Why is that? You see, in the future, it will be illegal to show depictions of historical figures that might be seen as offensive to certain parties. So in all fairness, she never actually seen Hitler, but she knew he had a mustache, so she had took a chance. She apologized and promised me that I could sleep off the effects of the drugs, but to be ready for the headache of a lifetime. Just then, Soviet troops burst through the door. Debbie managed to create a time portal for herself and escaped just before I was unconscious. When I woke up, my body was gone. I was in this jar, being poked, prodded, and screamed at in Russian. The Soviets were convinced I knew something more than I did, and worked day and night to try to break me. When I failed to give them whatever it is they wanted, they pawned me off on an old collector, and I have been passed around and set up on shelves like knickknacks ever since. That's horrible! My life was stolen from me, sugar. But I won't do the same to you. Go, find that normal life you dream of. Go with your Napoleon and find happiness. Really? Oh, do you mean it? Of course, my dear. But before you gentlemen go, allow me to bestow a gift upon you. What's that? Okay, actually, it's in that drawer over there. The third one down. I, I get it myself, except I don't have any hands. I wish to thank you for letting me tell my story to the world, once and for all. Right, so what exactly is it I'm looking for here? I mean, there's a bottle of Tylenol and- Why would I bestow upon you Tylenol? I mean, if you want fun, you're welcome to what you have headache, but uh, never mind, keep looking. Uh, rubber bands, oh. buttons, Nine. paper clips. Okay, I really need to get someone to organize that for me. I had intended this to be more of a momentous occasion, and now it's just weird. Whoa. What is this? Ah, yes, yes, that is it. It's a homing device. If you ever have need of me or my army of freaks again, simply vet that toggle and we will be at your disposal. Hey, everyone. It's your old pal Napoleon Doom here with a historical harangue for you, whether you like it or not. In this episode, we featured Sugar the Sasquatch, sometimes referred to by her carnival moniker, the Monkey Girl. I'd like to dedicate this historical segment to the real Monkey Girl, a remarkable woman by the name of Priscilla Bahano. If you follow the Umind podcast on Instagram, which you should, link in description, You'll know that Creeping Wave was based in part on a dream I had while listening to the Tom Waits album, The Black Rider, the studio soundtrack for the musical fable, The Black Rider and the Casting of the Magic Bullets. In the first number of this musical, Lucky Day, 
the scene is set for a carnival-style sideshow. In this song, a carnival barker calls out to the crowd. That's right! You'll see the three-headed baby! You'll see Hitler's brain! See Leah Graf, the German midget, who sat in J.P. Morgan's lap. You'll see Priscilla Bahano, the monkey woman. Priscilla Bahano, the monkey woman. But every monkey woman starts off her career as just a little monkey girl. And Priscilla was no different. Priscilla was born Priscilla Roman in Bayamon, Puerto Rico on April 26, 1911. In her first moments of life, she was already a spectacle. You see, little Priscilla had been born with a condition called hypertrichosis, giving the newborn a full head of lush black hair, a beard, and a dusting of silky black hair covering her body. Contrary to popular belief, hypotrichosis does not actually increase the amount of bodily hair, only the thickness of it and thus visibility. In fact, per square inch, humans have the same amount of hair follicles on their skin as do other great apes. Priscilla was also unique in that she was born with two full rows of teeth already in her mouth, which must have made nursing her quite the chore. This, accompanied with her follicular flare, thrust her headlong into the examination of the medical community. For a period of time, she was shuffled back and forth between her home in Puerto Rico and an array of specialists in New York City. In a time before Maury Povich, TLC, and the internet, most people, even doctors, were unacquainted with cases like Priscilla's. What was eventually decided was that she was hairy but healthy, and there was no cure. That was just her genetic makeup. What would transpire next by our modern standards would seem quite cruel but ultimately landed little Priscilla in a very happy circumstance that would shape her into the cheerful, boisterous woman she would eventually become. You see, her father made the ultimate decision that he should try to turn a profit from his hairy daughter's condition. He brought her to the attention of C.L. Lather, a man who had ample experience promoting several human oddity acts. Now, I would like to point out that he had no intention of selling his little girl off to a circus. He elected to stay with her, while his wife returned home to Puerto Rico to tend to their other children. Unfortunately, Priscilla's biological father was killed by gunshot in Gainesville, Florida. Lowther and his wife, who were quite besmitten with a charming little girl, elected to adopt her and raise her as their own. Lowther absolutely adored her. In fact, the name Monkey Girl, a moniker given to Priscilla by the public and not her adopted father, offended him deeply. His daughter was far from a monkey. She was well-spoken, fluent in both Spanish and English thanks to her early years in Puerto Rico. Her adopted father, valuing the child's education, had employed private tutors to see to the development of her mind. Monkey Girl was a revolting insult, and woe be upon anyone who dared to call his little one a freak. 
He was known to deliver quite the verbal tongue lashing to patrons who doled out such disrespect. Priscilla wouldn't have to rely on her father defending her for long. Her rapier-sharp wit put those belligerent loudmouths in their place. She'd brag about how her banter often caused some men's humiliated wives to pull them over and chastise them with remarks like, Why don't you just shut up? In Priscilla's own words, she always had an answer for the marks. She would taunt rude onlookers with the declaration, I got to see you for nothing. You had to pay to see me. In a fortuitous gesture, Lather had delighted his young daughter with the gift of a trained chimpanzee named Joanna. Priscilla's comfort with animals would shape her act, which was often performed alongside Joanna, providing a distinct juxtaposition between her and what would have been colloquially identified as a monkey. The pastiche was one that Priscilla had great fun with. As she grew older, she worked with a chimp by the name of Josephine. The chimpanzee would take on a generally vulgar demeanor, spitting and puffing on cigarettes, Meanwhile, Priscilla served as a gracious ambassador to visitors of her father's sideshow. By 1924, with the Scopes trial captivating the public consciousness, shrewd Priscilla capitalized on her status as the monkey girl. The Scopes or monkey trial, which was originally the State of Tennessee versus John Thomas Scopes, alleged that substitute teacher John T. Scopes was in violation of Tennessee's Butler Act. This act forbid the teaching of evolution in state-funded schools. In Priscilla's act, she would carry on debate with a trained orangutan named Snooky, well before Jersey Shore, mind you. Priscilla would take a pro-evolution stance while Snooky argued against through the use of comic gesture and pantomime. Never inhibited, Priscilla would dance and sing for customers as well. She was said to have a very beautiful voice in her youth. In a 1996 interview with a surprisingly gentle Jerry Springer, an 85-year-old Priscilla reminisced, I'd get up and dance and they'd throw nickels and quarters, and if they threw pennies, I threw them back. I didn't want no pennies. The carnival life had been good to Priscilla, and by the 1930s, it would put her in a position to meet the love of her life, Emmett Bahano, the alligator-skinned man. It would happen during a mutual tour with the Johnny J. Jones Exposition. Emmett had a condition called ichthyosis, causing his skin to take on a scaly appearance. The name ichthyosis is derived from the ancient Greek word meaning fish, and sometimes called the fish scale disease. Like a fish, Emmett spent his time offstage soaking in vats of water, or rather ice water, as one of the drawbacks of his condition was that he could not sweat. This, however, did not help to cool his affection for Priscilla. By 1938, the two had eloped. They were billed the strangest married couple in the world. Within a year, their daughter Francine would be born. She would tragically die at four months old from pneumonia and the heartbreak prevented Priscilla and Emmett from attempting to conceive any more biological children. 
Priscilla would stay with her father's show until 1945, when she and Emmett would sign with the famed Ripley's Believe It or Not. It was a lucrative run, allowing the couple to purchase land in Gibsonton, Florida, a carnival community. It was there they purchased a mobile home and set their sights again on starting a family. Still scarred by the death of Francine, their biological daughter, they elected to adopt a child, who they would name Tony. The little boy would travel alongside his parents as they worked the carnival circuit. He himself eventually settled into work as a carnival worker. In the 50s and 60s, the family would run their very own Bahano Family Carnival. Unfortunately, the days of sideshows were numbered. By the 1970s, activists had set their minds on stamping out the practice, on the grounds that it made a mockery of disabled people. Emmett Bahano, the alligator-skinned man himself, strongly disagreed with these protesters, championing his dignity. He very bluntly said such work kept him off the relief line. He'd elaborate on this stance in a 1978 interview, stating, It's an honest effort, and I feel more or less proud of the fact that I can earn my own living and do anything anyone else can. Nature does funny things sometimes, but I've lived a normal life. These protesters' efforts to save disabled people from humiliation in effect removed the purported disabled person's choice to earn a living as a performer. By the 1980s, the family had retired from the much maligned carnival circuit, and instead directed their focus towards appearances on television and film. In fact, you can see both Emmett and Priscilla in the 1980 film, Carney. Far from being humiliated and degraded, they were rubbing elbows with Hollywood greats like Jodie Foster and Gary Busey. While performing, Priscilla and Emmett took control over the shock and awe they naturally drew from onlookers. In day-to-day -day life, however, things were quite different, a consideration seldom taken by those who raged against the institution of sideshows. This is poignantly brought to our attention in the 1981 documentary film, Being Different. Here, the camera tails Priscilla as she does her grocery shopping, her beard hidden behind a black veil, sitting just beneath her eyes. If anyone asked, she confessed, I told them I was a Hindi. This is in reference to the Gungat, a veil worn over the face of some married women of the Hindu faith. Emmett and Priscilla remained in Gibsonton, Florida, where they spent their retirement. They remained married until Emmett's death in 1995. It was at this time, perhaps out of mourning, that Priscilla decided to shave her beard for the first time in her life. Ever the performer, Priscilla still gave interviews for documentaries and talk shows alike. She was always happy to talk about her days as a carnival performer. When asked by Jerry Springer if she would do it again, Priscilla gleefully responded, I'd do it. Thank you everybody for listening. I just want to let you know that we are on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Keep up with us online through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you like the show and want to help us out, or if you don't like the show, help us out so that we can get better. 
please consider becoming a Patreon. Link down below. Hope you enjoyed the ride, and if you didn't, um, well, we're going to try again next week. Creeping Wave is what happens when the mics go off on the You Mind podcast, short for Unaffiliated Mind Games, so be sure to check out our sister podcast, too, and uh, give that a listen. The two kind of run together. It's a play within a play, so check it out. And also consider going to lostbreadcomic.com to check out Lost Bread Comic and some of my artwork, uh, which all sort of revolves around the same universe. And that's going to become a little more apparent as the story evolves this season. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.